In March of 2022, Barna did a study of pastors in the U.S. and found that over 40% said that they had seriously considered quitting full-time ministry within the past year, a marked increase over the year before. What's going on? Why are so many pastors struggling so deeply? And what does this mean for the evangelical church moving forward? In our interview today, I'm talking with Peter Orr about why he thinks we're facing a pastoral crisis and what regular Christians can do to help stem the tide of pastoral burnout. Peter is a New Testament lecturer at Moore Theological College in Sydney, Australia, and the author of Fight for Your Pastor from Crossway. Let's get started. Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's uh, great to be with you. So you open your new book with what I would consider to be a pretty sobering quote from a pastor that you know, but you don't share his name. And it's, it's actually a rhetorical question. You write, or he writes, is there a day that goes by when I don't wonder how to get out of ministry? So I guess this is my first question. Is that a common feeling that you think many pastors wrestle with on a regular basis? Yeah, that's a great question. What prompted me to write the book was talking to friends who are pastors, and more than one expressed something similar to that that friend's feeling about, about pastoral ministry. So that's one thing. But then also looking a little bit more globally online, just seeing things on, on the internet, that there, there seems to be a greater number than usual of, of pastors pulling away from, from the ministry. So sadly, I, I think that is that sentiment that my friend expressed is not, is not unusual or unique, and it seems to be increasing in, in frequency. The pastors are feeling that uh, intensely, the struggle of, of the role. As you've talked with other pastors, what would you say are some of the the dominant thoughts or even emotions that are behind that question that they're asking themselves? Yeah, it's interesting. One one friend put it disappointment, the kind of the hopes you have when you start an, a new pastoral role in a in an existing church or you you plant a church and you've got all these hopes of how the Lord might use you and you know they're they're noble and good hopes for for God's glory for for the honor of Christ. And then disappointment as kind of people let you down for different reasons. So that, that would be one thing, but also just criticism. I think that's the, that's the thing that people feel that, you know, different levels of criticism, but always a negativity towards them and a feeling that they can never do a good enough job. Now, ultimately, all of us pastors included serve for God and his glory. But as human beings, you know, we need encouragement from others and that with constant criticism, it's just so hard to keep going. Hmm. So uh, most of our listeners are probably rooted in the U.S. and are maybe pretty familiar with the U.S. evangelical landscape and some of the things that have happened uh, among pastors in the last decade or so. And you're you're speaking from Australia, and I'm just kind of curious what how similar or different would you say the landscape is when it comes to pastors and pastoral ministry where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, some of the, the tragic stories we've seen in the U.S. of high-profile pastors falling, not necessarily, I mean, there, there have been the kind of the sexual and financial, but more what we might call spiritual abuse. I mean, that, that happens in Australia. It, it Obviously, we don't have quite as many high-profile pastors, but that dynamic is there. So you've got the negative side where pastors kind of abuse their power, and that has and does happen in Australia. Maybe as I say, not to the same kind of extent in terms of high profile. 
And so that's a dynamic that I think has meant that people have lost a little bit of trust generally in pastors who are kind of viewed with more suspicion because mm. of some of the, the falls that have happened. And people in Australia might see those big stories from the US, but also have you know heard of churches even in Australia where pastors have, I guess, for different reasons, abused their positions, abused the, the people in their churches. And, and that, I think, contributed to this, often this overall feeling of negativity towards pastors. Mm. So you currently teach at a seminary, so you're teaching up-and-coming pastors, men who aspire to be pastors, and as far as I'm aware, you've not yourself served in pastoral ministry, but you do have this particular insight, given your role and your experiences, into what's going on. So I I think that's helpful to note just in where you're coming from on this issue. And you write in their book that you would say there is a crisis among pastors right now. And I think the first question that someone might have is, is it really that bad? I have heard some of these stories that people are leaving ministry, and I've heard the stories of people failing in some way, but is it really a crisis? I think it's a crisis in terms of the numbers who are who are failing, uh, the experience of those that I, that I speak to who are current pastors, and also, and I don't really explore this in the book, but my observation teaching at Moore College is that numbers of people coming forward for pastoral ministry, we, we you know have a good number of great students, and wonderfully, we train men and women for different ministries, you know, work with students, chaplaincy, things like that. But there are fewer men putting themselves forward for pastoral ministry that doing lots of other good ministries but i would say the numbers who particularly not many of our students would would go straight from our seminary to being senior pastors but even those who who go and become assistant pastors are kind of happier to to remain as assistant pastors and so that the numbers of people going and becoming senior senior pastors in our area, uh, New South Wales is decreasing. You know, I'll hold my hands up and say this is kind of observation. Um, I haven't done a detailed kind of analytical study, but that's certainly my observation. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you write in the book, quote, being in Christian leadership has always been challenging, but recently it seems like the pressures have multiplied. What has changed? What would you say beyond the prevalence of certain scandals and and failures? are, Are there other cultural things that you see as impacting uh, the challenges that pastors are facing right now? Yeah, I'd say a couple of things, sort of one fairly short-term and one long-term. Short-term is obviously COVID. I, I think that was a, an intense period. I mean, I know we're not quite out of it, but it was an intense period of pressure for, for pastors and intensified some of the issues that they were already facing, particularly from within the church. And, and often the pressure that comes from within the church is the hardest to bear. And it exposed attitudes and heightened criticism, and it was just this feeling of you know can't please, can't please everybody. Some people are upset because we're sort of closing down, and other people are upset because we didn't close down soon enough. And, right. and friends who criticized for the way that they did their you know their online ministry. It was a, a very difficult time, you know, preaching to a camera, getting no kind of feedback. 
So uh, speaking to a number of people that really just, I mean, all, all of us experienced a difficult few years, but I think for a pastor, it was, for pastors, it was particularly acute. So that's one thing. And then uh, the, the longer term way that our culture in the West has moved from being indifferent towards Christianity to seeing Christianity as something that is morally repug- repugnant. And pastors are at the pointy end. They're, they're the ones who sort of receive that, that criticism, that feeling more acutely. So I yeah. think those those two, even though COVID's just been a, you know a couple of years, I think that kind of short sharp pressure has really brought things to the surface that might have taken a, a bit longer. Yeah, mm. yeah, I'm struck that in a previous generation, pastors in our culture and in the U.S. at least, maybe someone wasn't a Christian, maybe they didn't feel the need to go to church regularly, but they, nevertheless, there was a certain kind of respect that people mm. had for a pastor for someone for the clergy as like good upstanding moral people and it seems like for all kinds of reasons perhaps that's just not maybe the default response that people tend to have today mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i mean i'm living in australia now but i i grew up in northern ireland and certainly in in northern ireland that was very much the case growing up that you know you went to church even if you weren't a christian before the lord i mean you would have called yourself a christian but there was a, a cultural christianity and i think that was probably true of the us to a certain extent australia and that that's gone and it went and it was replaced by sort of indifference but now it's kind of hostility and and i think pastors often uh, experience that hostility so what if you could speak to like the layperson listening who's who's thinking right now, yeah, I know my pastor has a lot on his plate and I know his job can be stressful. And I understand that COVID was probably particularly difficult for him, but COVID was hard for me too. And mm-hmm. my life can be busy and stressful and, and I've got all kinds of stuff, whether at work or at home, that that makes my life difficult as well help people understand maybe a little bit more some of the unique burdens that pastors might be facing that they might not have considered before. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely right that, you know, all of us, all of us, I think, are feeling the pressure of of COVID. And then we look around the world and it's like we've kind of gone back to the 1980s, you know, where we're living in a a world (laughs) with potential Cold War looming on, on different fronts. And it's true. It's true. And if your pastor, if he's worth his salt, will be praying for you to persevere and will be caring for you. But the difference is, you know, as you struggle and care for your family, that's good and right. But your pastor, if he has a church of 100 and 150 people, is in a sense feeling the burden of all of those uh, families and the pressure that they're under. And meanwhile, you know, as he seeks to do that imperfectly, and he will do it imperfectly, I would imagine getting criticism for how he's not doing it as well as he should. A friend of mine expressed it. Uh, there's not many jobs where your wife receives your job performance review, you know, and, and that, right. that's the fact that often it's the, it's his family is under pressure because of what he does, you know, and often criticism is, is made to the wife. And I think we, we don't, understand the the destructive power of criticism and Mm. uh, you know that's something i've seen in pastors that i speak to just how difficult that is so yes you're struggling in your life as we all are but you're not getting constant criticism about how you're doing it or how you're not doing it well enough yeah yeah 
another thing that you highlighted in your book, uh, you actually include uh, in all of your chapters, little anecdotes, little testimonials from real pastors, anonymous pastors that you know. And one of them was really interesting. It talked about the burden of bearing other people's burdens, you know, Mm -hmm. the messiness of their lives. Pastors are often on the front lines of that. And one of the tricky things for them is that they, they can't turn around and get help shouldering those burdens from other people because, you know, it would be inappropriate for them to go to someone else in the church and say, hey, listen to what John just told me about his messed up marriage. You know, he can't do that. And so that that takes a toll yep. on a pastor who is, is feeling the weight of many of those situations. Speak to that a little bit, just the loneliness that pastors can feel in their ministry. Yeah, absolutely. So that that is that is something that is is very difficult because, you know, People have complex lives. Christians have complex lives, you know, relational problems, problems from kind of family dynamics that are very complicated. And again, good pastors will want to walk with the people in their churches through those problems. But it's it's hard. I know pastors who, uh, again, don't share the details with me, but as they describe some of the situations in, in their church and m- multiple situations, that that they know people who are going through very difficult periods in their life and it weighs on them paul talks about his struggles and then adds you know and i'm daily burdened by the anxiety of the churches and in a small way a pastor will feel that daily burdened by the anxiety of the people in 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 my church and again that's something that a pastor will will have to wear that people in the churches don't don't wear that you know that uh, and a, a pastor will have their own problems, their own family issues, you know, whether it's a kid who's drifting or or wh- whatever it might be, or health, parental health, and they're dealing with that. But then they're also trying to support other people as they deal with that. And o- often the pastor's not receiving the support. Mm-hmm. I know in my own life, you know, I, I really need that support. And just position of a pastor do- does tend to mean that they can't they can't share it's harder for them to also share the struggles that they might be going through with a congregation member. And that's why it's important for pastors to have friends and support from uh, uh, from outside the church. Yes, they, they should be drawing support from within the church, but it's complex. I guess I, that's what I'm trying to say, that it's often complex. So maybe let's turn then to talk about some of the practical ways that we as lay people can help support our pastors, can relieve some of that pressure that they are so often feeling for all kinds of reasons. And, and you list out a number of different things in this book, and so we only can talk about a few of them. But the first one that you highlight is that we can pray for our pastors, and you actually call it uh, fighting for our pastors. That's kind of the, the core idea behind even the title of your book. Yeah. So first, why do you call it fighting for your pastors rather than just the, the more straightforward praying for them? Yeah, it was a, a friend suggested it, and I liked it actually because it's the kind of spiritual warfare that Paul talks in Ephesians six. It highlights the the seriousness. You know, our, our pastor, the success of the gospel does not stand or fall on our pastor, but it, in a small sense, in our local setting, it it does. And the person who's under the most attack by Satan, uh, arguably, is your pastor. The person whose marriage satan wants to derail or whose kids he wants to lose the faith is is your pastor and and so pray yes that's a biblical word obviously i could use that but fight is also a biblical word i think warfare and um spiritual warfare i think it just highlights the seriousness of what we need to do and what the stakes are 
that we need to be not just passively saying a quick prayer when we remember for our pastor, but consciously and deliberately praying for them as they're praying for us. Paul wonderfully at the end of Colossians talks about, I think it's Epaphras or Epaphroditus, laboring in prayer for the Colossians. And that, that's just this wonderful picture of pastoral minister and people praying for one another and laboring in prayer for one another. Paul in 2 Corinthians, when he reflects on the absolute intense pressure that he's been under, and he talks about how the Lord delivered him miraculously, but then he adds, you must help us, myself, my colleagues, by praying. And you think, here's the apostle, he's just been delivered miraculously by God, but he's telling the Corinthians that they need to help him mm. by praying. And I think that's, that's something I feel very strongly. We need, to, we need to help our pastors by praying for them. And I think we also need to tell them that we're praying for them. I think sometimes we don't do that. And it's, it's just so easy to you know, send a quick text on a Sunday morning, say, Pastor, praying for you this morning. You know, that's a, that's a little thing, but I think that's a wonderful encouragement for them. Yeah, it, it can be so easy to feel tempted to kind of hear this first point that you would make praying as kind of trite or sort of assumed like, oh, yeah, of course, he's going to start with prayer. But yeah. I thought your comment about the stakes is really significant because, you know, all we have to do is look around and just see illustrations of the fact that when a pastor falls in some way or fails mm -hmm. in some significant way, mm -hmm. oftentimes the the wake of that failure is so big. It affects so many people, arguably most of the time more people than it would if if you or I had some kind of serious failing. Yeah. Obviously it would, it would hurt our families and our friends, but maybe not quite to the same extent that a pastor who would struggle in some way. So I, I think that to me really makes a big difference as we think about the urgency behind this prayer. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if you, know, if you read the New Testament, I love the way the Apostle Paul and you kind of think super Christian, you know, he's got it all together. But time and time again, he asks his churches to pray for him. You know, here's someone with the deepest understanding of the gospel, articulates some of the, the most wonderful passages about Christ and about the gospel. And you think, wow, you know, I wish I was like Paul, you know, here's a super Christian who's got it all together. And yet constantly he's asking for prayer and not just in a sort of, oh yeah, remember to pray for me, but 2 Corinthians, help, you must help us by your prayers. Or Philippians one nineteen, you know, uh, through your prayers, my situation will turn out for, for my deliverance. You know, so again, he's, he's giving their prayers this kind of real theological significance. And I think we need to understand the importance of prayer and in this context as well, that it's not just a good thing to do, but it is, it's a critical thing to do. So then if you had to boil it down, what would be maybe the top three or four things that you would encourage us to pray for our pastors this week? The top three things would be pray that they remain faithful to the Lord Jesus. I mean, that's the absolute thing. There's so many sad stories of pastors falling away in different ways. So pray that they would be faithful. Pray that they would love their families well. And why do you emphasize that as the second thing? I think that just seems to be a pressure point. If you're a pastor under pressure, the temptation is maybe to throw yourself into your work and try and please people in an unhealthy way to the neglect of your family. Hmm. So pray. I mean, and you need great wisdom because when do you sort of take time with your parishioners away from your family? And when do you say, no, I need to, I need to stay and serve my own family? I think that takes real wisdom and it's complex 
and you know pastors will get it wrong so that yeah pray pray for their family and then i think pray for them as they as they preach the word i think because that's that's not the only thing they do absolutely but it's it's the kind of the point of the arrow as they preach the word that's what they're doing and that's so significant and it's important that they do that well but it's also important that they have encouragement as they do that praying for them as they preach the word i would sort of include that they'd be good and faithful in their preaching but also that they would be encouraged as they do it okay well another thing that you emphasize in your book that we can be doing for our pastors is to encourage them intentionally encourage them in your experience do you think pastors typically feel on net encouraged or discouraged in their work these days from my experience i would say generally speaking discouraged how does criticism function in that the criticism that they may may be getting from people in their church yeah so i think discouragement as you yeah comes from positive and the negative the negative of being discouraged i read an article recently about how 20 years ago you might get criticism of your sermon through a, a letter well maybe we would have had email 20 years ago but you know 30 years ago you would have had a you would have had a letter on the wednesday or the thursday whereas as one pastor put it you can get criticism of your sermon as you preach the text message can come in as you preach and i think social media has made us maybe not more critical but more aggressive in our criticism i don't know yeah and more willing to just be very sharp in our criticism so i i think there's obviously there is the place for criticism i'm not arguing that you know you should never say anything negative to your pastor but i think we often are not careful in how we express our criticism and speaking to 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 friends it's just the careless comment um and yes that's just one person making that careless comment and they might think afterwards oh i should, probably shouldn't have said that but when it's kind of five or six or seven or eight people making those sort of comments and often people don't realize that they're doing them and that's what i want to kind of challenge is just think before you speak reading proverbs recently the, the wise person is careful in what they say and and just very simply the, the comment that i make to my pastor how is this going to land is this loving is it necessary all that kind of basic christian community but for some reason it just seems a pastor maybe this ungodly attitude well i pay for him he works for me i can say what i want and that that's crazy crazy it's crazy mm. and yet it seems there's sort of open season on pastors and the other thing is within any church there will be people with different we're all kind of united in christ but there are things that are important to some people in the church that aren't important to others and are not vice versa and one group of people want more of this type of preaching or dealing with these type of issues and another group and so you'll get criticism from different directions and that's very hard mm. yeah so- one thing you highlight is how obviously criticism is a way to discourage, well, typically discourage pastors, but that another equally or additionally discouraging thing is just the lack of encouragement. Yeah. And, and, and you talk about that and kind of connected to what you mentioned before, the fact that maybe that we, we pay pastors and there's a little bit of this consumeristic mentality, but unpack that a little bit, why, why the lack of encouragement can also be discouraging. Yeah, you spend time during the week working hard on a sermon, you wrestle with it, you get up, you preach, and then, you know, you hear nothing. 
And in one sense, okay, you've done your job and you're accountable to the Lord and you, you move on. But do that week after week, it starts to, pastors are only human. You, you just start to think, am I getting through? Are, are people being encouraged? Are people being built up? And it's just not hard for us to talk to our pastor after the, after the meeting and, and to be specific and say, thanks for your sermon is, is great and better than nothing, but thanks, thanks for your sermon this morning. I really thought the way that you explained verse three was so helpful. That's something I've read before and I've never really understood it and you helped explain it really well. Or that application at the end of the sermon, you know, that really spoke to my life. That's not hard. And if you feel uncomfortable doing it in person, just send off an email and say, you know, I just wanted to thank you so much and try and be specific. And that sort of thing just goes so far with a pastor. And we could be super spiritual and say, well, they shouldn't need it. They shouldn't depend on what we say. That That's yeah. just not human. It's not, we, mm. we're, we're in a relationship with our pastors. Are, you know, he's, he's a human being. He, he needs encouragement. And, you know, you, you can argue it from the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was so discouraged when he didn't see growth or he saw his churches going backwards and he needed to see them grow. And one of the ways that we can show that we're growing is by communicating with our pastor how helpful we're finding the sermon. Yeah. Mm. I'm struck by your comment about how you know, pastors need that proactive encouragement in part because they're human, just like the rest yeah. of us, and we all yeah. we all need that. And it strikes me that sometimes it seems like we don't think of our pastors as humans. We kind of we kind of think of them in a different category. At least think they should be in a different category. Yep. Do you think that dynamic is at play? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. We put them on a pedestal. We think they're kind of super Christians. I I imagine that is more the case when you're in a very big church. But again, you know, read the New Testament, read the Apostle Paul, that the original person we, we are tempted to put on the pedestal and read Second Corinthians and you'll see just how intense Paul is and, and how, I don't want to use the word dependent, but how much he longs for the affection of the Corinthian church. At one point he says, we've opened our heart to you. We just want you to open your heart to us. There's this longing for this kind of real Christian connection and your, your pastor is not an apostle, but I think those sort of same dynamics apply. Second Corinthians is is really a book where you know you get an insight into the heart of the apostle Paul, and as he opens that heart, a lot of you know what he longs for is a good relationship with his church, and I think that that is something that our pastors would echo. Hmm. Okay, so what are a couple practical ideas that you would have? for how we could go and encourage our pastors this week. So you've mentioned the idea of maybe following up after a sermon and saying, hey, that point number three was excellent. It really helped me. Any other yep. particular ideas come to mind that you would suggest? Yeah, I would say we encourage by communication and write to him, send him an email, not asking for anything, just telling him that you're praying for him, telling him that you appreciate him, thanking him. Just thanking him. Just Pastor, just want to want to thank you for your service. I know it's been a hard few years, but my family we're so thankful for what you're doing, and we're we're praying for you. And I think that sort of communication is so easy. If you're listening to this, yeah. once you finish the podcast, it would take you one minute, and yet it's so helpful. Also, and this is a sort of longer term thing. I think pastors are encouraged as they see people in their churches serve and take ownership. And as they, you know, and, and this is real Christian growth, as we see that the church, it's not a, it's not a show that we attend and it's not even a, a sort of volunteer club uh, that we are part of, you know, it's a church family and we're invested. And so, you know, 
as you can, as you prayerfully consider with your family, you know, put your hand up to serve and to help and to really take ownership of, of, of the life of the church. I think that is a, that's a long-term encouragement as the pastor sort of sees, okay, we're all in this together. We're working mm. together. It's not just me up the front and then trying to hold things together with, you know, a few volunteers. It's lots of people getting involved. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's the reality, isn't it? As, as individual Christians volunteer to serve the church in various ways, that's often very directly serving the pastors. As yeah, well. absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I can't remember where I read it, but recently I read that a phrase, a load bearing laity, which is it just a really nice captures mm. the idea that it's not it's not the pastor trying to do everything, but it's people saying, can I help in this area and being willing to serve and particularly being willing to serve in areas where you might not feel that you are particularly gifted, but there's a need. And I think sometimes you know, as Christians, we can be a little bit precious or prima donnas. You know, I'm only going to serve in this area where I'm, <laughs> I'm gifted, but yeah. actually there's a real need over here. You might feel like I'm not great with kids, but there's a real kind of need in the kids ministry. So I'm going to, I'm going to help with God's grace. And wonderfully, then you're beginning to grow. You're being challenged. You're depending on the Lord. So the pastor is going to see Jenny threw herself into that area, even though it's outside of her comfort zone. It's wonderful. She's growing as a Christian. That, that is, yeah, that's tremendous encouragement as well. Hmm. All right. Last thing that we will talk about today as a way to intentionally help and support our pastors, and that is to forgive them. And yep. my guess is that some people listening right now might feel rightly or wrongly, like they have been wronged by their pastor in some way, mm. that they've been sinned against mm. their pastor. So what should they do? Yep. That's a really great question. And I guess we can sort of talk about this area, the kind of three levels. The one level would be the criminal offense. So we're talking about the really serious issues where the police need to be informed, denominational authorities need to be informed. And then once that happens, it's sort of Yes, we keep praying, but we're not involved in the process. Hmm. The second would be something that the police are not interested in, but where the pastor has failed in an adulterous relationship or, and this is, we're moving more into the area, the spiritual abuse, you know, a pattern of abuse. And that's something I deal with in the book. And again, that's where the, the denomination would need to be involved and there needs to be process as, as that's sorted out. But then thirdly, there are the, what we might call the minor minor things, you know, where, where your pastor has, you know, has disappointed you, has wronged you. It might have been a he's had a bad day and he snapped at you, or or things like that. And that's more sadly more common. And that's not something I'm here not talking about the sort of things that are, are significant enough or a frequent pattern that needs to be dealt with formally. But it's just the sort of thing that kind of is true of any relationship. And there'll be times when we need to sit down and, and say, you know, your, your behavior, when you did this, it really hurt me. But then in the New Testament, there are times when we overlook. Proverbs talks about overlooking an offense. Jesus talks about turning the cheek. Paul talks about why not rather be wronged. And again, don't hear me say that we should apply those to some of the, those other kind of bigger level issues. Right. But in that kind of day-to-day, -day, you know, relationship with your pastor, you, you just need to often bear with his imperfections and, and over overlook them and, yeah, and move on. And I think sometimes we're not, we're not good at that. 
that that kind of basic forgiveness. It seems like we can often in our culture today be so focused on the the big examples of failure, whether they are criminal or just you know disqualifying at the least for pastors, and and rightly so. We we need to know how to respond to those things, but the reality seems to me that the the bulk of the things that we might be experiencing any given week with our pastor is going to be that third category of sort of maybe not clearly disqualifying for ministry, but maybe still it bothered you. It was, you know, it felt unkind or unloving. And so what advice would you give to somebody who feels like they can't just overlook that? They feel like they need to address it with their pastor. How, how should they go about doing that in a way that is kind and humble and aimed at forgiveness, but nevertheless is still, you know, that can just be a very difficult situation to feel like you're in. Yeah, it is. And it's it's hard. And it depends on your church setting. I imagine if you're in a very large church with kind of 4,000 people, it's going to be hard to, to talk to your pastor. You might not know all that well. But I, I think generally, if, if you can, we deal with these things by talking about them, by expressing how we were hurt, but not forgetting that we're sinful as well and that we hurt other people. And again, it comes back to not wanting to put our pastor on a pedestal and thinking that this is terrible how could he have said that that harsh thing to me? You know, he's a pastor. And having a sense of proportion, which in our current world with everything going on, we, we often lose a sense of proportion and things get kind of, things that are relatively minor get put into those one of those other two categories. And so, yeah, having a sense of proportion and, you know, if this is something, if it's just a one-off and you can say, oh, he was tired, I, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it go. And the New Testament does talk about that. It's, it doesn't, that sometimes we think, you know, that every, every sin needs to be kind of, you know, acknowledged and dealt with. But no, the, the, the New Testament does sort of say there's a place for just absorbing it, just letting it go. And I think often that, that will be the case. But, you know, when, when it's maybe just a pattern of, he's just often harsh with me. Well, then, yeah, you need to sit down. It, it's going to be hard. Maybe a, a, a very, very carefully worded email might be a way to start the process. I tell a story in the book of a pastor who sat down with someone and there was some criticism given in a loving way. And, and he said some of the criticism was fair and he was able to change as a result of it. Some of it, the person came to see that was a bit unfair and that's just such a healthy dynamic. And I'm, you know, I'm not naive enough to know that it's going to be easy and always work out like that. But that's the sort of goal that we're aiming for. Well, Peter, maybe as a last question, this whole conversation has largely been aimed at the layperson, kind of helping them to get into the mind of their pastor, helping them to think intentionally about how how to help their pastor. But I wonder if you could speak a little bit to maybe the pastor himself who might be listening in on this and kind of curious, well, what are they going to say about <laughs> about me and about what I'm feeling and thinking? What would you say to the pastor listening right now? Yeah, I have so many good friends who are who are pastors and yeah I mean I guess in, in light of all we've said I want to just encourage them to to keep going to keep preaching the gospel keep depending on the Lord keep examining their heart because obviously pastors are not perfect and there will be things that they'll need to repent of but it's very hard I just my my prayer is that the Lord might use this book in some small way that you might be more encouraged and enabled to keep going. And it's worth it. And on the last day, for the Lord Jesus to receive you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you want to keep going for. And uh, it's worth it for God's glory. And you're doing, as Paul says, a noble task. 
So keep going. Well, thank you, Peter, so much for taking the time today to help us all have a little better insight into what our pastors are dealing with on a daily and weekly basis and ways that we can better serve and help them. We appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. It's been great to be with you this morning. That was Peter Orr on our pastoral crisis and how lay people can help. For more, be sure to check out his book with Crossway, Fight for Your Pastor. Pick up a copy of the print book for 30% off or get the ebook or audiobook for 50% off directly from Crossway by visiting crossway.org plus. That's crossway.org plus. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving us a review and sharing it with a friend. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's Word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.